Welcome to the Working Hands Podcast. I'm your host, Tony of Woodland Iron, joined by Keith of Blackthorn Concepts. And tonight we have Max and Justin of Camp Arrowhead for Boys. What's going on, boys? How's it going? Um, not much. Glad to be here. Hi. So before we get into it, I'd like to uh, start the show by thanking our sponsor, Sabretooth. If you go to sabretooth.com, you can get your power carving burrs and discs and uh, anything else you need for power carving. If you use code WH, you can save 10% on your order so that's always good and i'd like to take time to thank our sponsor maritime knife supply um the one-stop shop for makers two days to texas we're kind of coming up with some good ones for him but uh just take advantage of it was his... three days to texas oh we'll, we'll just make it better every time okay two days. <laughs> it could be i don't remember i'll have it there before you need it yeah, definitely so um yeah, he's your guy for knife supply, knife making supply, and a lot of maker stuff too. I think we've had. Uh, what'd you use your depth gauge? Yeah, I gauge. got a, a digital height gauge from him, and uh, I've been using it a fair bit. I I got to do more reels, but I even use it to set the f- fence of my table saw like off the blade, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I saw that look pretty good. Stuff. The height. Yeah, I did the height, but I also do it off the blade for the fence oh yeah just gotta do a reel for it just to show that yeah there's a thing called instagram that i never use as well i know yeah so. i'm terrible at it <laughs> i'll get into that later on so. but we got a couple guests here i'm excited about so let's get into it you guys want to introduce yourselves yeah hey i'm max king um i'm with instagram camp Airhead for boys but i own a boys camp in north carolina a summer camp awesome and I'm uh, Justin Osborne. I've been at the summer camp for years, uh, and I'm there in the summer as a director and instructor, and in the off-season, I'm a shop teacher. That's fantastic news. <laughs> I'm so jealous. Of him or me? Yes. Okay. But mainly the shop teacher. Yeah. That sounds like job, awesome, really. awesome setup. Summer's off. Yeah. Well, not like he's busy with me. <laughs> oh right oh. so you have a the camp <laughs> yeah is that all you do pretty much name? yeah um so you're off the other three months oh no 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 i'm doing <laughs> maintenance recruiting fixing stuff building stuff marketing all the instagram stuff everything with my i have another business partner too but it's a it's a full-time job for sure it sounds like it but it's fun that's probably true <laughs> <laughs> So with yeah, the, oh, go ahead. I say with the, with the summer camp, most of the work is actually outside of the summer. The summertime is like playtime. You build up to it all year long, kind of getting it ready for the kids. And once it's there, while it's a lot of work, it's, it's a blast. Yeah. What's the number one, like what's the most popular activity you guys do? Probably blacksmithing, honestly. Um, not many summer camps have blacksmithing, but we have a, a full forge of, is it eight anvils, Justin, now? Yeah. And four forges, all coal. And then we wow. have the uh, 12-ton coal iron and a little Ameribrade. And so we get a lot done. We taught hammers last summer, so that was a lot of fun. But, what uh, are the age of the kids that go to this camp? Six to 16. Man. Yeah. But we have like a wood shop too and um, an art space. And then also all the traditional camp stuff like riflery and archery. And then we also teach flint napping, which is another popular thing. I want to be a kid again and go back to this camp. <laughs> Yeah, you teach flint nap, flint napping. Yeah, but you guys also were if 
anybody's following along, these were the two that put the two uh, stone knives in the uh, maker swap. Maker swap. Yeah, I did it first, and then Justin copied me. But that's all. I have a little <laughs> known fact about these two <laughs> knives. So you guys have all heard the story of the rocket that fell when the ta- when the trailer tipped. When the trailer tipped. Oh yeah, we watched that happen. That was crazy. Mm-hmm. I had the, the, there was three things going and I could only grab two and I grabbed your two knives. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Well, I didn't really grab both of them. One I was able to catch with my left hand and the other I caught with my left elbow because I still had stuff in this hand. And then as I was pinning up one of them, I watched the rocket fall. But I figure it's probably better the rocket fell than a stone knife. So Yeah, that obsidian would have broke for sure. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate it. But those were some wild knives. <laughs> yeah. They were pretty cool. Flintnapping, for people who don't know, is spelled with a K, and it's uh, making stone tools in a primitive way. Justin can explain it better, though. He's the he's the real pro. Yeah, it's a really cool technology. You know, the oldest kind of making skill there is out there. And you take a rock that is usually very brittle. Uh, it's harder than steel, but it's brittle, like glass. And you hit it with either a rock or some sort of like bone, antler. And you're breaking off these chunks of material and it kind of breaks in a predictable manner. Uh, so you're able to kind of reduce this thing from a big rock to a smaller rock. And eventually you can get like another piece of wood or antler bone and kind of push against it and kind of take little chips off. And it's this whole process of reducing a big stone into some particular shape for a tool. Is that what arrowheads used to be made out of? Yeah. 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 Flintnapping makes arrowheads, axes, uh, all sorts of manners of like just basic little sharp flakes a lot of tools uh, on the archaeological record are not like very fancy they're just broken flakes for certain jobs um it's a really yeah and it's it's a universal technology like everyone's ancestors flint napped at some point that's interesting yeah i've never i've always seen like when you were saying about like you see someone with a leather apron on and then they'll be striking and breaking those big pieces off but i've never i mean it's probably tedious i guarantee it's tedious work but like I've never seen the finished result or I've seen the finished result, but I've never seen that finishing step that you talked about with like pushing. The, yeah. Yeah. Like I've never seen that. You always see like the, everybody doing it with the, the other stone and then it just breaks off big pieces and you know, everybody wants the big show on Instagram. So yeah. <laughs> you don't get the, the tedious stuff. That's yeah, a fun thing uh, to teach with a bunch of kids around you too. Yeah. Yeah. It's all dicey. Yeah, safety squints for everybody. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Seems fun to me. I don't know. I've never done it. I've never seen it done. Um, but those knives are pretty wild. The only thing I've ever seen, like, a finished product of one would have been, like, an old mm-hmm. arrowhead. I've never seen any other tools made that way. Well, you probably get the chance to see it in the fall because uh, when we were at the Maker Camp last weekend doing the hatchet class, Austin gave us a green light to teach flint napping. At Maker Camp in the fall. So that'll be a fun new item there. Oh, that's awesome. I didn't know. Yeah, that's, uh, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, do a little primitive making alongside everything else. That is pretty wild. It's probably going to be a very popular booth. (laughs) We can hope. (laughs) Are you guys going to have enough stone or whatever the obsidian or whatever it is? Oh, yeah, we'll we'll probably have. Yeah, we should be able to. We're still working on details, but we should be able to have enough stone there for... Anybody wants to stop by to kind of uh, pop in and make an arrowhead out of a flake. 
Um, when I make a giant knife, like we had the uh, Maker Camp, they usually start as a big rock, and you have all these waste flakes making that one knife. And those waste flakes, probably 50% of them can be used to make an arrowhead. Oh, so fantastic. So a ton of flakes, different materials, um, so everybody can, you know, hopefully get a little point made out. You could probably do some demoing, too, of the big fancy percussion stuff, though, Justin, mm-hmm. like making flakes fly. <laughs> yeah, that one's fun to watch, hard to do. The pressure flaking's fun to do, but hard to watch. <laughs> well, so yeah, I got you. He usually yeah. does it in shorts, though, which is crazy. Well, everyone's got a little crazy in it. <laughs> That's pretty wild, though. Is that your favorite thing to make? Ah, oh, man, it's it. When I was younger, it was. I I started when I was sixteen, and I, probably by the time I was eighteen, I found a mentor who was actually really good and took me from kind of almost like pretending to do it to actually doing it. And I did it for throughout college and did it for several years. It's, I love doing it. It's a hard hobby to get into. There's a lot of safety things when you're doing something like that long-term. And there's also, it's hard to source materials, especially where we live in North Carolina. There's not a lot of great material nearby. So um, it's my favorite thing, but I don't get to do it as much anymore because it's not something I get to do in my, my day job uh, during the school year, at least. Where, where would be a good source for all that material? You can get it online. There's a lot of old dudes on the internet with really primitive websites, like early 2000s websites that sell boxes of rocks and stuff. (laughs) They all are uh, pretty similar in terms of appearance and age and passions. But uh, yeah, that's, we can get like obsidian in the mail, which is an awkward priority mailbox to get. It's kind of gets destroyed on the way, but, or we'll go drive somewhere and pick up a bunch of rock from somebody. That's pretty cool. Yeah. There's always some, random dude you can get through a friend of a friend of a friend who's got a tractor trailer truck full of it somewhere. Um, it's kind of hard to track down, but there's still quite a few people out there practicing. Very back channels. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we were digging around in the uh, big power rocket uh, up at the Blackthorn uh, trying to find some flint up there because there should be some some chert, which is a type of flint in that area. Um, we didn't find any, but we found some slate, which is usually located nearby. Interesting. I, I know nothing about rock, so. We'll teach you something. If you can get away from the swap table. I'm gonna, because I want to take this class. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have even... one. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was. Uh, I think Austin said we're going to have our own tent, which is probably smart, but uh, it'll be the, probably the Camp Arrowhead tent, so that'll be nice. Nice. That was pretty cool. I uh, I already, there's one, there's one class I must take, because it's now the third year. I will miss it if I don't do it, but it's Patty Gilstrap's sewing class. Hmm. We took I mean, that one. T- yeah, I'm jealous. Oh, yeah. It's super good. That's probably my yeah, favorite that's one. one. Yeah. She's great. Mm-hmm. But I've never taken her class there. And uh, I was talking to her this week that uh, come hell or high water, I'm taking that class. She's like, all right, I'll make it happen. But now I want to do this, too. Everything else I've kind of done. So mm. it's neat. I didn't know you guys were getting a tent up there until just now. That's awesome. Yeah, Austin, uh, we kind of dabbled in the conversation at Last Maker Camp and then a little bit in between this and the that and the hatchet class. And then so I finally was like, Austin, can we? And he said, yeah, let's do it. And uh, I was like, can we tease it on any podcast we might be on? And he said, yeah. So we were greenlit to go ahead and break the news. Did he, but did he know it was this podcast? He did. He did. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's a good dude. Yeah, he's yeah, a good he guy. Is. So you guys went to the hatchet class. We did. I know that people can't I saw see that. it, but ooh. Oh, man, that's <laughs> awesome. 
How taxing was that? It was a lot harder than we were expecting. Um, it, it didn't look easy on Instagram when no. I watched you guys. Well, we thought we were going up to make the tomahawk like they demoed during Maker Camp, but Cliff and John decided to up the ante on everyone, and we made more of a real hatchet. And the drifting, and the drifting, and the drifting of the eye was that was a lot. It's like, yeah. but it was fun. So you guys did that fully, like fully manual, like didn't use the the press that's there at all. Oh no, we used the press, but for the okay the the basic shaping and smushing, right, Justin? Yeah, we we punched the hole with the press, and then we used the press to uh, work on the um, the back of the the lobes on the back, and then we used it to kind of smush out the beard of the axe. But all the drifting and um, was done done by hand, and we also did a lot of hand finishing of the axe as well. Oh yeah, on the cheeks and everything. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I got you. So you punched. Okay. I'm. Yeah, we punched a round hole like a hammer. Like it was the same as the hammer class we took two years ago or last year, I guess. And then then it diverged pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah, we, we were we were very confident going into it, having made the hammers once for them, and we made a bunch of hammers with our kids uh, the previous summer. So we were like, man, this is gonna be easy. And then once we got to the actual axe part, uh, that was that was difficult. There was a lot of a lot of labor to drift those things. And it, I don't know if we could have done anywhere near what we did without Cliff and John putting hands on as much as they did. Those guys are so good. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what size piece did you guys start out with? I'm just trying to get an idea of like how much you had to draw that out to get the beard and everything. It was two pounds and it was, was it three and a half inches, Justin, by an inch and a quarter or something like that? I believe so. Yes. And they, they took ground stock and mushed it previously to, so that there was like bulbous ends. Gotcha. Because if it was square, they said it would get more cold shut and fish lipped. So it was kind of a, a rounded out block. But it went it went better than I thought it was going to. But yeah. Yeah. I made um, a tomahawk at high caliber camp mm-hmm. this past year. But we started with um, like a ball peen hammer. Oh, cool. So that was fun. He went and got ball peen hammers at Harbor Freight. But that was a rounded end and we still got the fish lip. Okay. Problem at the end, which was weird, but easy to fix. Yeah. Uh, they're much smaller than what you guys made. So, yeah, they're pretty wicked. And you guys Cliff did. Is a phenomenal teacher, too. And John's hilarious. So, yeah, they're, they're I'm, sure, I'm sure it's a fun time. The yeah. two of them together is just insane. Yeah, yeah they're, Cliff, they're an odd couple, but they, they work. Cliff can fix anything. Um, Jesse Savage was there with his wife, uh, with his wife Carrie, at one point. And he's like, "Yeah, Cliff fixes my mistakes too." And I was like, "That makes me feel a lot better." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Cliff's cool. Yeah, we, so we the, would, uh, oh, we would, like you know have a problem with their axe or something, see it was slightly off, or you know we get a fix and we think, "Oh man, this is perfect." We finally got it in line, and then Cliff comes over there, and Cliff is like finding like it's off by half a degree in this one spot, and we wouldn't have seen it without Cliff pointing it out. Like he is just like that detail oriented. And he helped us like chase those details. So he got them as good as they could be. That's awesome. Yeah. Did you guys, when you guys were at camp this year, did you see him do the, uh, the head for the tomahawk? No, when he, uh, sorry. Oh, the the, face. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That was super cool. Yeah. When you speak about details with that guy, that's when you see him do that, that's impressive. I I didn't see this. What is this? He has like a Vin Diesel head. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, maybe Easter Islandish it's, kind of. It's on his Instagram, I think, too. But it's something like that. But it's just a. I don't know what the bar the bar that he started with was, but he he did a full face on a out of steel, 
It's like it was, a really? Bruce Willis meets Easter Island for sure. Yeah. I, yeah, I got to check this out. I have no idea about any of this. Oh, no. It's, uh, it's, it's cool. He yeah. Who's this, a, John or Cliff? Cliff. Cliff. Uh, yeah. See, at Maker Camp, I went and then I had a run for something. I forget what it was. Probably the swap table or something or dinner. No, it was dinner. But he started uh, showing people how to make a draw knife, mm-hmm. you know? And it was like me and Full Steam and Corey were over there watching. And every time I started to have a question about what he was doing, he was over there working. He would just turn and tell you. He would answer the question. Yeah. Like before you could ask it. And it's like, man, this guy knows what's up. Mm-hmm. It's pretty impressive to me. Yeah. They're good teachers. So with the steel you guys were using, so that's all one piece. Like you didn't weld a bit or anything no, it's, in it. It's a 4140. Ah, okay. Yeah. That's a lot tougher to move. <laughs> it was, I, yeah. Uh, I have some three quarter just round bar here for chisels and that. And I, every time I start moving it, my three and a half pound hammer comes out and I'm swinging from the end of the handle. I'm not, <laughs> it's, it's getting smashed cause it takes a lot to move that. Yeah. Hopefully we'll be able to at least dumb it down for the, uh, to have more of the tomahawk for the kids this summer. Cause I've been telling families we'll be making tomahawks this summer. Because we also yeah. throw tomahawks, so that'll be fun to let them try to make it. But I don't think they'll be able to pull this level off because just the tooling that those guys have. Mm-hmm. like Do the nine... ball peen setup. It's great. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I have a big box of them, I think. Well, and you could also, you could pull off mild steel, could you not? Like, Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, the kid doesn't need a, a working yeah. chopping edge. Probably better <laughs> yeah, exactly. than it's not. But like so. the kids last summer when we made hammers, those kids were like sleeping with their hammers, literally. Or like they went on a backpacking hike out for a camp out and there's like strapped to their backpack they're so proud of their hammers but uh it'll be a little different with the tomahawk we'll have to do sheaths right afterwards it's a feat to make a hammer i mean i'd be proud of it too that's super cool we just need a a good heat treat oven and then we'll be we'll be set even heat that's what austin was saying yeah yeah you could do the um the railroad spike ones too but they're they're touchy they're touch and go to make because the eye is so narrow and you don't have much for cheeks. Didn't uh, one of our kids make one this summer, Justin? Yeah, we did. We did one. And in the past, we've done them before as well. It is it true. Like when well. you start, Yeah, when you start getting that eye so thin right there, it's really true. Yeah, kids think, sometimes will blow it out. Yeah, I, I guess what I was thinking, like there is a skill level that has to be there. You're going you're gonna to make a mess of it. Oh, yeah. So for our non-blacksmithing listeners. <laughs> The eye is the hole that the handle goes through. Yes, same as a same as a hammer, any swung tool, anything like that has an eye. Yeah, we used to do the farrier's rafts, tomahawks as well, where we take the farrier's rafts and we fold it over and oh, then yes. forge weld the end of it together, which was tough to do. But that was always one of our last projects, so it was a great ch- challenge for the kids. But with the uh, coal iron press we have, that makes life a lot easier too. Yeah. And having coal, coal forges doing the forge weld is uh, a lot easier than propane at times. Yeah. So how many days do you guys blacksmith during camp? Well, how long is the camp? Uh, sessions go anywhere from five days to four weeks. So we'll have some kids for a long time. Um, and then Justin and I don't necessarily teach blacksmithing. We went and taught the hammer mitt class, but uh, we hire other people who we miraculously have a blacksmith that we can rely on to come back every year. Um, okay. Hmm. But we only teach things when there's other people don't know how usually. So we'll play during the off season some, but during camp itself, we're usually busy putting out fires and dealing with 
problems and kitchen <laughs> stuff and all these things I never thought I'd have to think about. Yeah, making it run. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, then, but my wife really does most of that. So I just, she's, she keeps us on schedule. So that's nice. Very cool. So with, you said you have four week and five day and, and mm-hmm. everything in between. So are you running them like, you, uh, you must be running them all congruent. Like, uh, we run the one and the two on top of each other. So like halfway through the two week time frame, the five day kids will go home. And then oh, okay. the three and the four week run concur- concurrently at the same time too. Okay. But like at the end of the two week session. So there's a little break in between for the counselors and then a new batch comes in. And then the and three and the four week is the best time because that's where we do all the big projects or like 4th of July and all that good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I got you. How, so like how many kids do you have? Uh, so Camp Arrowhead actually closed in 2014. This is the, the long backstory. Uh, Justin was there as the ship was sinking, not his fault, but the previous owner's fault. And, and it started in 1937, ran through World War II, but couldn't last through these last uh, owners, apparently. And we bought it in 2018, my partners and I, and we're rehabbing it because it was a ghost town. Like the soccer field was six feet deep grass and it was just a nightmare. And then we were opening and re- reopening in 2020, which was, yeah. Bad timing. Uh, yeah. Uh, no camps ran but us. We ran two weeks with 27 kids, zero COVID. And because uh, we had to run at that point, like we had, yeah. yeah, it just had to happen. And we made it work. And so that we ran two weeks. And so we've been slow building since and coming out of that COVID decline in the camp world has been good. But so like we're, we're probably have 60 some kids per session this year, but we can hold up to a maximum of like 120. So in the heyday, Arrowhead had like 120 kids at a time. Wow. But recruiting's going well this year. So we're hoping for more. Yeah, and I see you guys have got some projects, like infrastructure projects on the go with uh, oh, yes. <laughs> um, your swimming, like you have a pond on site. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I saw that you were doing the deck, the decking and stuff for your wharf. Yeah, it was like probably 30 years old, all the wood that was on there. And it was at the point of splintering off and the kids' feet. So we yeah. ripped all that off and replaced it all in the off season and right before winter and then. Yeah, just we kind of take an area every fall and then spring and try to update it. So like we're doing the farm program right now, expanding our like pens and infrastructure at our where our gardens and our goats and chickens are. And then we're also still working on the lake a little bit too, I think. And just clean up and soon we have to start mowing. So we got a little bit of everything. Because <laughs> grass is growing. And not up here yet. No, I didn't think so. Not we got eight inches of snow when we were at the Blackthorn. I was like, man, it's still winter. Yeah. I and then they got two feet after years. we left. Oh, wow. They probably, they get more than I do then. I think it's all gone by now. Yeah. We're uh, still a little bit of snow on the lawn right now. So <laughs> <laughs> yesterday was t-shirt weather. Today was cold. Uh, I don't get it. No, it's like 20 degrees right now here. Yeah. Can't win. I just want <laughs> spring to be here. It's probably going to be like the like the past few years where we go from winter right to summer, no spring. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's right to 80 degree weather. And I hate the summer. Well, let's, let's hope next week we get some decent weather for the uh, group Fords. That should be fun. Is that next week already? At the time this will be released, it'll be the next week. Yeah. The last week in March, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm away right before it. And I'm not prepared for that. So that was a shock that it's that soon. <laughs> Yeah. Sorry. We saw the new makerspace room when we were there, though. That's super nice. 
right? It's cool. Yeah, for sure. Did you guys do anything up there? No, right? Uh, we hung out at night when it was too cold to stay in the pavilion. Okay. So like after we put the axes in the, the even heat, we bailed over to there and sat on the milk cans and wheelchairs and had fun. Yeah. Milk cans are great, but they're not long-term seating. No. <laughs> Austin has plans to put boxes over them, I believe. Yeah. They are cool. It, I mean, it gives a cool vibe to the space. For sure. Yeah. So what was, I guess, coming back to the axes, like what was your time frame? You guys showed up Thursday night, but then got kicked off, like got got rolling, like not kicked off, <laughs> got rolling um, like Friday afternoon kind of thing. Yeah, I think it started 2 o'clock or something like that. Yeah, but we got there early because we flew in. So we hung out on Thursday and messed around out there, driving around in the pretty snow because we hadn't got snow down here yet. Um, and then it, we did all day Saturday too. And then when Austin thought it would be over by lunch, but we had to go till about 3, which is when we had to leave for our flight. But uh, So yeah, we had to scramble to find some lunch and then we <laughs> finished them up. So you guys handles and everything. Like I see you have the completed one now, but you did handles and everything while you were there. Yeah, we at least Justin and I finished, right? Yeah, I think everyone had a handle by the time they left. Okay. But yeah, we had to ship saw... ours home, so we had to bring uh... <laughs> yeah. yeah. Ask Keith about shipping. I won't do it. <laughs> I brought a label and then John Ariani got me a box and then he handled it, which was nice. Yeah, he's a good guy. He seems nice. <laughs> he's a good storyteller. Yeah. He's a funny dude. Yeah, that's good. So it ended Saturday? No, it ended Sunday. I'm sorry. Yeah, three-ish. Oh, all right. Maybe I screwed up not listening. I don't know. But I thought you said Saturday. But that's good. That sounds fun. And how many people showed up for that? There's a good group. Um, There was Rob Rojas, um, Niren, who makes knives. I can't remember his handle. Dark State Forge guy was there. Yeah, Jason. I saw him. He's awesome. And then Justin and I and Eli, there's, yeah, seven-ish. That's a pretty good crowd. Man. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, it's pretty good. Did we forget anyone, Justin? Well, Austin was there. Oh, yeah, Austin made one. With <laughs> yeah. Did he make one too? Yeah, he did. Yeah. Good for him. Yeah. He, he, he managed to get one out even though he was, how much time did he miss for snow removal? Oh, yeah. Because Blackthorn does uh, commercial snow removal, so like he was like yeah. getting ready for the schools and everything. But uh he and he spent more time on his like he did a cooler Viking style one, so he did a lot of extra grinding and forging than that we didn't do. Yeah, he had the same thing going on when he did the group forge last year. Mm. He uh, was in and out quite a bit because we had that storm on was it Saturday? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So Saturday was pretty much a bust for him. And yeah, then we, uh, go ahead. We woke up and saw people on the roofs of the buildings there getting snow off, so that was funny. <laughs> yeah, I mean, must be quite a bit of snow then. It's a crazy place up there, though. Every, anytime they do something, it's always a pretty special event. So. Mm-hmm. so so getting back to your camp, like, do you have, like, how big is the place? Like, if you've got, a, if you've got capacity for 120 kids and you've got, uh, must have quite a pad or quite yeah. a space. It's 217 acres. Wow. Yeah. And I, basically two people deal with it all year. So on top of everything else. And uh, there's rivers and trout in the river in the lake and it's pretty wild it's deep woods too like it doesn't feel like it's uh it's it's very woodsy i would say right oh yeah we, we're in a very biologically diverse area probably one of the most <laughs> diverse areas in western north carolina uh the lower u.s yeah like we are 
we've got more salamander species than anywhere in the world. We've got thousands of different types of wildflowers. We've got endangered species on the property. Um, it's, it's crazy what you get to see there. That's wild. Yeah. And then what do you have cabins for all the campers? Yeah, there's uh 16 cabins, I think, right? Just, I should know these things, but I always forget. Um, you own them, not me. I know, I know. <laughs> but you've been there longer. Uh, they all they all have like bunk beds in them and they can hold like 10 total people on each side and they have bathrooms in the cabins, but they're screens. So during the summer, if it's a cold night, you know, you're going to be a little chilly. But if it's a warm night, you'll hopefully have a little breeze in from the outside. Otherwise, you hope you have a fan in the cabin, but yeah. it, it's nice. And then there's a big dining hall building where the kitchen is and and the activity areas are all kind of spread out over the property. Nice. And so how guys, many counselors do you run for a hundred? Well, we only like with what we're numbers are running now, like we need like 15 college kids who are like for the cabin counselors and activities. And then there's probably 10 to 12 of us like via directors adults. or yeah, the adults in the room uh, or doctor <laughs> or nurses and stuff like that. Or kitchen staff, support staff, I guess. That's wild. Yeah, that's a that's a lot more people than I expected. And people come from all over too. Like we have a counselor coming from Australia this year, which is mind blowing. And then we have kids coming. We have a kid coming from I think Taiwan because his parents work in the embassy there. So like people travel to our area for camp, and it's pretty cool. Well, it seems like a premier camp. So. <laughs> that's what we tell people. <laughs> yeah, fake it till you make it, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys go to this camp when you were kids? I went to a camp that is really close by. I grew up and worked at a, a different boys camp in the area. That's where I met my wife too. And like I proposed her there, the whole the whole story and everything. But uh, at one point when I was living in Charleston, South Carolina, my friends and I were talking about like, we always talked about like what we would do if we ran the camp kind of thing. And then she started Googling camps for sale and one thing led to another. And we moved to North Carolina and bought the camp that was basically across the uh, valley from the one I grew up at. Wild. And you said this is Western North Carolina? Yeah. We're pretty close to Asheville. That's okay. when most people Asheville. hear of North Carolina and hear Asheville, they know generally where that is. Yeah. Uh, we're actually in Zirconia, North Carolina. Zirconia. Yeah. Next to Tuxedo. Come on. There were Zircon that- mines in our area. So like Thomas Edison apparently was buying property at once back in the day when he was trying to figure out what went into his light bulb. Really? So that's why it's Zirconia, North Carolina. Hmm. Yeah, it's supposedly one of the biggest, or at the time was one of the biggest deposits known in the world. Man. <laughs> Just weird facts about our small area. But it's a cool area. Uh, it's actually a temperate rainforest too, which also kind of catches people off guard. But we get a, a lot of rain during the summer usually. What is a temperate rainforest? I'll leave that to Justin, the science guy to answer oh gosh i don't remember what the, what the number is uh what the threshold for that is but like i think last year in my house because i live about an hour away from the camp i got 115 inches of rain um, at my house and the camp's probably usually closer to 100 inches of rain so we're, we're over that point where if we were further south we would be a tropical rainforest the tipper just uh, okay. communicates how far north we are and the temperature but like we hit that rainforest threshold of how much rain we're getting that's crazy it doesn't sound like a selling point. It doesn't. <laughs> but it doesn't actually feel like that much rain. It's just every, uh, we have a rest hour every day at, right after lunch. So it's about two o'clock. And uh, that's usually when it rains. And so like for that hour after lunch, when they're all in their cabin, basically napping or just, you know, taking it easy because we run them hard. Uh, that's, we call it the rest hour shower. So it usually rains then. So it doesn't really affect programming very often. Yeah. It keeps oh, the temperature good. down. 
Yeah, that's all, true. Everything's always really green, too. That's what's nice about it. And just Lush. A, little, a little humid. Not Charleston humid, but definitely humid. Yeah, I wouldn't want to be there then. Oof. It's fun. And you, don't, and you don't run any, I guess, off-season? Uh, we'll do some, we do some rentals for groups. Like, we've done family reunions. We've done weddings. Um, some father-son, like, bonding, man camp-out kind of things. Um, cool. Yeah, like... We just whatever people honestly, if they want to rent it, it'll be like, all right, that we can do that. That'll work. Weddings are easy and pretty good money too. But they, uh, people like getting married at summer camps. I could see that. They usually end up paddling across the lake in a canoe in their wedding dress and suit, that kind of thing. Do they ever fall in? I'm, I hope so. Be <laughs> <laughs> good pictures. Yeah. Uh, the so last are, wedding, they actually jumped on the trampoline in our lake. Like we had a one of those water trampolines, and they were like, "Can we? Can you leave that in the water so we can get our pictures jumping on that in our dresses?" And I was like, "Okay." What's a water trampoline? It's a it's like an eight foot octagon, or no, it's seventeen foot wide octagon with like a trampoline net on it, and so it, the kids can like swim out to it, and get on it, bounce on that, and it has like little slides off it and stuff. It's inflatable. Cool. Very cool. It's probably safer than a trampoline that's. On land. Oh, yeah. I don't know. So what other activities do you have? You have uh, blacksmithing, archery. I saw mountain biking. What else do you guys do down there? We've got uh, fishing. We are doing, oh, gosh. We're, we got uh, a Native American Studies Indian lore program. We have, um, well, what I teach, bushcraft. Yeah, there you go. I was yeah, say. yeah what, what I do there. <laughs> yeah, right. So I do like a survival program. Uh, the kids learn how to. Go out in the woods, start a fire. They learn about natural resources and what they can actually make with them. We do, you know, basic survival skills. And then we go in and make baskets out of like reeds and cattails. We'll, uh, yeah, we'll make, make um, bark baskets. We'll do, what else we do? We've been tracking animals, stuff like that. Just a lot of kind of like, like primitive ma- maker skills, but also kind of nature awareness and just kind of getting the kids out there and, you know, show them the side of the, of, uh, you know, working with their hands and, with, with resources they didn't realize were there. That's awesome. Yeah. We like to let the kids kind of choose their own adventure too. Like our afternoons are where we do our choice blocks and uh, it's kind of depending on the counselors we have. Like, so like last time we had a counselor who really loved martial arts. And so he took half the afternoon to teach kids that signed up for his class, some basic Kung Fu or whatever those bamboo swords are. He was doing that with them too. So like um, it can be different every day that way. And so they don't get stuck in the same schedule and they get to change activities as much as they want we try to develop that like self-reliance and i can do what i want to do people don't have to i don't need a schedule put out by an adult for me to have fun and figure out what i want to do so we build a little resilience in them that way and they have to travel with activities on their own and so it's i don't know our i don't want to like go into our mission statement but basically yeah we just let them we foster their own leadership and growth and becoming individuals and that's fantastic. Oh, sounds like a, a great idea. I went to a summer camp once. Up north? Yeah, I'll tell you about it in the after show. <laughs> sounds like it was that, a bad experience. That can't be good. <laughs> <laughs> what about yeah, you, was, Any summer camp experience? Me, no. Um, Is that a thing not. in Canada, really? Uh, I think it might be, but um, not really. It's... Uh, they can't waste their only time outside for those two weeks <laughs> of warm weather. Yeah. It's mosquito season. You don't want to be outside. <laughs> we just stay inside all the time. 
Yeah, no, it was never an opportunity for me, but something like what you guys are doing would be definitely, I'd be interested if I, if it was eight year old me looking at, looking at a a brochure. (laughs) Come on. I would go now. Well, that's why we have a family camp. That's what I tell people when I'm like out recruiting is like, oh, because the parents are always inevitably like, oh, I want to go. Well, you can just come to our family camp weekend. We'll feed you and take care of the kids too. And you can learn some of the stuff we teach. Do you have like an adults only? So I don't have to deal with the little guy. <laughs> uh, that concept always turns into uh, insurance liability, the adult only summer camp. I don't know how people do it. Too many uh, loose ends. Basically, well, yeah, like make your problem camp. is when you call it adults only, people <laughs> think other things too. Yeah. It, it would have to be booze free. Mm-hmm. Like it would have to be dry. <laughs> We've had that discussion, right, Justin? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, but it would be fun. For sure, yeah. Did you ever see that movie Grown Ups where the guys just go back to that old lake house? Mm-hmm. Be kind of like that. Yeah. At a camp. It'd be fun. The best part about it for us is we don't have to like cook or do dishes basically all summer. Like that's that's <laughs> it's wonderful. Like well, we still do dishes, don't we? Oh yeah. Well, well you do. I do. Now Justin, you <laughs> drive back and forth <laughs> the hour every day during the summer? Uh no. Uh Right as basically the school year finishes up, this year it actually overlaps a little bit. I move from my house to the camp, and I'll stay there all summer um, teaching at the camp with a a day off here and there. Oh, that's cool. So you pretty much live camp then during the summer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I move my whole family there, and I'm only like 15 minutes away. Wow. Yeah, it's a a 24-7 job. There's there's never a normal day. There's You never know what's going to happen, whether it's you wake up at – 5 a.m. and there's something wrong in the kitchen and all of a sudden you're scrambling the cover and get food cooked or you're dealing with like a wild animal uh, that's, you know, too close to kids or something, whether it be bats We can tell the bat story. We can tell the bat story story in the after show. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Um, And, and, you know, there's all kinds of things going on. You get kids waking up at 2 a.m. sleepwalking or having a nightmare or, you know, we're taking a a header out of the gaga ball pit and breaking their wrist. Oh, yeah. there's a lot to it uh, to keep those kids safe and to give them a, a great time. So it's it's a very busy job in the summer, but it's so rewarding. Yeah, you, my wife and Justin forced me to take a day off like a week and a half into the last summer. They're like, you need to go. I was like, all right, fair <laughs> enough. You. Yeah. <laughs> they conspired behind my back. Yeah. That's fun though. Didn't you, Justin? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you were You were unbearable. Yeah, we've actually I did that to the girlfriend last night. So she's been crazy busy at work for like a month straight, just stupid busy. And then what's been with her, it's like people are always asking from her and I'm sure it's the same for you. And I was like, there's a party at our gym. And I was like, let's go there. Let's go. And it was a real good recharge for her to uh, go see people that, Aren't aren't looking for anything other than her company, so it was it was a good recharge for her. That's great. So. What have you guys been up to? <laughs> well, I've been away. Um, I went to Sarnia, Ontario, for fire training. Um, it's about well, it's almost the other end of uh, Ontario. It's in the, in the mid- middle of the Great Lakes, but they have uh, industrial firefighting training center there i guess for you know add more words together it'll work at some point (laughs) 
<laughs> but um, yeah, we went there for three days. It's been the first time I've been out for fire training and uh, pre-COVID, probably 2018, 2017. It's been a while, so it was good to good to get the rust off. So it was a lot of fun. Three days away with 15 guys, a lot of fun. Cool. That's for your um, your job. Yeah, that's the job job. That's uh, one of the many hats I wear um, as an operator. Day-to-day, I'm in in operations, but if we have an incident on site, a spill, or a release, or a fire, um, I put my other hat on and go go deal with it. How about you, Keith? You've got uh, some different uh, surroundings this week. (laughs) Yeah. You you seem more comfortable and smiley (laughs) today. I, I'm sitting on a couch enjoying <laughs> enjoying life. It's like a, hard, a recliner. Yeah, it's a it's one of those reclining couches. Yeah. I'm not reclined though. <laughs> um, I have a bar stool in front of me with my computer on it. He was thinking about reclining. You could tell. Oh yeah. <laughs> He's trying to figure out how can I get this mic arm to reach so I can lay back and do this. <laughs> oh, it reaches. I, I tested that before. <laughs> I sent out the link for sure. But uh, I gave up my bar at home, so I used to record. I had a bar in my basement, and uh, I decided to dismantle that because all it ever was was a backdrop to the podcast, so only Tony ever saw it. (laughs) So we never used it. So um, I decided to get rid of that and give that space to the wife for what she's doing. So, uh, yeah, now I'm just down here on a couch in my basement. That's great. (laughs) So, yeah. But... uh, I had an old chair I picked up on the side of the road, I don't know, sometime probably the beginning of COVID, and uh, I just re-upholstered it this weekend. I just finished up about 10 minutes before I came down to do the podcast, so that's what I've been up to. I sanded all the wood down and refinished it and re-upholstered it, which I know nothing about upholstery, so uh, it was fun. Yeah, I saw the videos there. I was wondering, I, I didn't, you never mentioned you were doing a an upholstery project. So I was kind of wondering. Yeah. Cause I don't know what I'm doing, but uh, (laughs) it's one of those things. Like I took it all apart. I tore it all down. I sanded the wood. I refinished all the wood and it looked great. And then I'm like, I don't know how to do upholstery. (laughs) So I hung the chair up in the corner of the shop and I put the, like, like whatever was the the reupholstered parts that need to be reupholstered. I put them on a shelf somewhere and I never did anything with it. And it sat for like forever. Every now and then I'd pull it off and start to do something. Then I'm like, no. And then uh, finally this weekend I, I got the bug and I went to Joanne Fabrics, which I don't know if you guys have been to Joanne Fabrics ever or, or what, but whoever the purchasing person is at Joanne Fabrics really needs to step up their game. There was <laughs> nothing cool. I went hoping I could find like a 70s vintage vibe. Mm. They had nothing, but you know what they do have is a bunch of ugly kittens and <laughs> kittens tractors uh, yeah now i'm a big yeah. fan of the mandalorian but i don't need a fabric for Mandalorian. oh no no and then in, oh yeah they got mandalorian <laughs> fabrics and all sorts of weird stupid patterns that are just ugly and the colors are wrong they're i mean have they ever seen a color with like what is wrong with these <laughs> <laughs> so i didn't find the 70s vibe i went looking for but i was like I, I caught the bug. I want to get it done. So I bought a fabric. Uh, I'm going to show you guys on screen, even though the listeners can't see it, but I'd like to get your reaction to this fabric that I did buy. 
I think it's cool, but uh, my wife does not. Oh, yeah. Oh, snap. Looks pretty okay. good. It's psychedelic uh, paisley. It's busy. It's like psychedelic paisley, yeah. <laughs> Almost like peacock-esque feathers. And oh, yeah. All yeah. random greens and reds. And it was the only one that was like, uh, that's kind of cool. All the others were like these terrible, and I'm not thrilled with it, but out of all the ones <laughs> at the store, and there's thousands of fabrics, that was the one that was like, oh, yeah, that that's kind of cool. Yeah. They didn't even have just simple patterns. Hobby I Lobby thought, usually has pretty good fabric. Hobby Lobby has fabric? Mm-hmm. Good fabric, too. I wish we had talked before about this. <laughs> I get uh, canvas from there sometimes, and they have a lot of good patterned canvas. That would have been cool. Well, I don't know if I, they have psychedelic paisley, though. I got my I got my practice one in. There you go. So, <laughs> but it doesn't have wheels, but I think I'm going to make it my desk chair. Uh, For podcasting? Maybe, yeah. yeah. So we'll see what happens. But that's what I've been up to. Nothing, nothing too fun. Oh, I finished up. I made a jewelry bench. Wife's getting into jewelry making, so I finished up the jewelry bench. Justin's yesterday. been doing some crazy things with his kids. Like oh, yeah. Well, it's that time of year where it's the end of the quarter, so I'm getting ready to ship all my kids off to the next elective class. So, gosh, we had 78 different projects going on in the shop. I'm trying to wrap it up. Ooh. We've got jewelry. We've had book binding, a little bit of pottery. We're kind of doing it in collaboration with the art room. A lot of a lot of stools. I don't know why everybody wants a stool all of a sudden. We're doing a lot of stools and um, a lot of sewing projects as well. Just kind of a little bit of everything going on. Um, laser cutter and 3D printer have been running for the past three weeks, like 24-7. So busy time usually this time of year for me, but a fun time. Yeah. Tell them about your elf on the shelf. Oh, yeah. yeah. We always do some crazy project with like Arduinos and coding and all that kind of stuff. We took a... Uh, Really creepy Japanese elf on a shelf doll, just the weirdest looking little retro doll we could find. And we put it inside of a little makeshift box, almost like the the fortune telling machine. You've seen those before, the fortune telling right, right. vending machines. Zoltar, we, Zoltan. Yeah, yeah, Zoltar. Yeah. yeah. That was their inspiration. And we made like a little miniature version, maybe about 18 inches tall, about a foot wide, put the elf on the shelf on there and like a little tiny fireplace that lit up, a little tiny tree that lit up. And as you go up to it, you actually push a button and there's a little receipt printer on it and it'll print off a fortune for you. And it's supposed to be the elf on the shelf telling you what you've done wrong. And <laughs> it had some really awkward things the kids were like, you know, calling you out on. Tax fraud, right? Tax fraud, picking your wedgie. Um, That's fantastic. Know. Yeah, just like that was, that was kind of a little Christmas project we did and always trying to do something really weird. One, one of those, uh, uh, a quarter, uh, some weird project that's like automated somehow. Um, a little bit of building, a little bit of coding. I liked your life-size uh, operation game. Oh, yeah, that thing has been a pain because we're we're routing out right now all the different shapes. But the dude is six feet tall. We scaled that up, and he's a very weird shape person as it is. <laughs> so we're making 3D printed models of the little pieces that go inside of him. But yeah. like, there's one of them that's like a like the Charlie horse. Instead of doing the simple silhouette, the kids are like, can we like get a My Little Pony doll and stick it in there instead? <laughs> so it's like 3D and like, you know, it's even harder to get out of there. So we're doing all that stuff and trying to get some copper tape applied all the way around the corner. So it actually will go off when it gets touched. Um, we're gonna have now what you got to do is amp that up to life size. So when you do zap it, it, it gets you pretty oh, good. Man, you know? Full electric, yeah, electrocution. Well, yeah. the kids have that idea. won't hurt nobody. <laughs> yeah, we, I already figured out how to do that, but I'm not going to do that, but. 
uh, it will have speakers inside of it. And so instead of like the buzzing noise it makes, it's going to have like screams. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> perfect. <laughs> I've, I've recorded the kids screaming. We've got goat screams. We've got like the Wilhelm scream from all the Spielberg movies. Of course, yeah. We, we got a lot of different random screams. And one of them's like a song we found that was just like a bunch of screaming. <laughs> Uh, like somewhat emo song. It's great. She gets like, one for the song. Uh, what does the fox say? Oh, <laughs> that is a good one. Yeah. One, one of the ones is like 30 seconds long. Most of them are like, you know, three or four seconds and it's over. One of them is 30 seconds long and it's unbearable when you get it. Mm. And it's random too. It's supposed to randomize which track it plays when you touch the side. So, and where's yeah, this thing going once you're done? Just going to hang out in your classroom? I have no idea. It's, it's leaned up against a chicken coop we're also building right now. It's taking up all my space. But we're going to take it to a science fair uh, for the county. We'll have we'll show it off there, and then screams and all. Oh, I don't no. know where it's going after that. It's it's a little too big to go. Does it have a volume button? Uh, the speakers have a, a dial on the back, uh, and it will be okay. cranked all the way up. I love it. I love this is why your teacher of the year, uh, among other uh, reasons. I, I hope uh, it's not think, just that. I think it's the screaming. The screaming. Yeah, teacher of the year. Congratulations. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, that's big news. Oh, it's easy for me because I get to do all the fun stuff. Yeah. I, f- I feel really bad for my peers who have to teach normal academics. I'm over there doing basically whatever I want to, as long as we're building and learning from our mistakes, we're, we're doing the right thing. Yeah. I think if this operation game doesn't find a home by October, you should load it in the truck when you come to maker camp. There's an idea. Yeah, there we go. It'd See, fit into the Blackthorn in their uh, haunted house. Well, then we can make it do the whole shocking the people thing, right? <laughs> yeah consenting yeah well have you seen the new games out there where it's like it's a little round disc everybody puts their finger in and it's like uh musical chairs so it goes or spins around and whoever it lands on gets shocked oh fun and then they're out and then you keep going until everybody's done that sounds easy to build <laughs> i should do that too yeah it was uh it's actually been on some reels uh like little kids doing it like say under five but not like little little and doing it and then getting really mad because <laughs> they got nabbed but. did you guys ever go to like the boardwalk or the amusement park or something where they used to have the game with the two metal handles yeah that vibrated the heck out of you well they mm-hmm. electrocuted yeah. you yeah did they still have that i went to dollywood with my daughters and i did not see anything like that i've, That's I've not seen one in person but one of the projects I did at the beginning of the year was we were looking at carnival games. Like, can we make our own carnival game? And I remember seeing that somewhere. We settled on an arm wrestling machine. We're trying to make a oh. machine that will just give you a score based on how hard you're basically cranking the lever. So you actually know, okay. like, in newtons or pounds, like, how much force are you actually applying? Because the kids are always trying to arm wrestle each other. I was like, this is a way for them to do it and have a score and not constantly argue back and forth about <laughs> with someone cheating or is it because you someone's taller? your elbow. Yeah, exactly. So we have the we took the um, was it? I forgot what the name of the sensor is called. A load cell, which is basically inside of all bathroom scales. We took one that goes up to like yeah, like two thousand pounds or something like that. We got a crazy big one, and it's just a little arm that goes and presses against the plate, and it'll it'll give you a score. So we're we're in the middle of trying to get that fixed. We we played with it too much and broke it. Is that how you know how to beat the punching game? Uh, sir, what? That's how you know how to beat the punching game, right? Oh yeah, that one's an IR sensor. That one's that one was too easy to do. Wait, what? The uh, punching the, bag game at a bar. Yeah. Yeah, you know, you know those like you you punch. It's like measures your. It doesn't measure how hard you hit. It measures how fast the bag moves. And so okay. all it has is like a motion sensor up there where the top of the bag's at. 
and it just reads, hey, it went from point A to point B in this time, and it calculates a score based on that. So it's just a little infrared beam, and, when, and it just measures the speed. It flies back and forth. So the way to cheat with that is you stick your hand up in the machine and just, you know, throw your hand forward real fast. Huh. You are much smarter than I am. Well, I'm just learning on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. You ruined all the fr- all the fun for the drunk people falling down and breaking their breaking their fists on the backboard. It's a good way to make some money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I mean they're gonna say you didn't hit it. That's true. Like Tur- there's gotta be a sweet spot to get the maximum speed. Or have them all turn around. I, I can't I can't punch while I'm being watched. Somebody's watching. <laughs> Somebody's watching. But with that, I think we head on over to hear this bet story. Right? So we'll uh yeah. let's thank our patrons, Tony, and then we'll head on over to the after show. Yeah, let's do that. <clears throat> We have, uh, so we'll go through the list here. We got Corey of Odyssey CNC, the Etsy Boys, Christy of Twisted Twine, Annette of 513 Woodworks, Full Steam Designs by Chris Powell, Lillian Archer Photography, David Beckwith Makes, NB Woodfinery, and we have our top tier Eastpoke Studios, Danelle Smith Christian, Brian Drennan, Lawrence of Maritime Nice Supply.com, Ed Johns of ButtJoints.com, Adam of Uncle Sam Metalworks, Green Street Joinery, Vincent Ferrari of Digitally Creative, Brian Housework of Work For Podcast, Artigino Sorio, Matt of Wooden Mustache, Brent of Clean Cut Woodworking, Brad of Brad's Customs, David and Joanna of Wido Works, Chad of Chad's Custom Creations, Ryan of Gnome Hammer Forge, David of DW Wood Builds, Matt of First Do Construction, and Tony of Kodamo Designs. Thank you, everyone. Thank you all. It's fantastic that you're here with us. Yes, uh, yes, it is. I also want to thank uh, Justin and Max, right? Yeah. Max? Just making sure. <laughs> for coming on. Uh, it's been hey. fun chatting with you guys. Thanks for having us. We'll, we'll continue it over in the after show. Um, Can I shamelessly plug camp real quick? No, that's not what you're here for. <laughs> of course. <laughs> yes. Well, if anybody... Uh, plug whatever you want. If anybody has any... Uh, sons out there who are looking for a summer camp or something fun to do this summer we still have spaces find us at camp arrowhead.com rising first grade uh 11th check us out we have good videos and some silly content and if you're a tool company that would like to sponsor an up-and-coming boys camp the premier boys camp for makers <coughs> yeah even he, uh, even he. yeah yeah contact us <laughs> yeah that's a fantastic idea <laughs> Even heat. <clears throat> yeah. The uh but yeah, if you wanna if you wanna find uh Max, you can find him at Camp Arrowhead for Boys. Is yeah. that what it, that's the full name? I have a personal one, but I don't mess with that. Or do you wanna No 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 no? Anyway? I just I'm I'm camp. That's my thing. Okay. Yeah. Justin is at Justin Osborne? Osborne, Osborne yeah. At that's A U S B U R N. Mm-hmm. All one word, Justin Osborne. So go give them a follow. Uh, if you want to rate and review the show, you can. That'd be awesome. Five stars always greatly appreciated. We thank all of you guys for listening. If you want to find Tony, you can find him at Woodland Iron. I'm at Blackthorn Concepts. Both of us can be found at Working Hands Podcast or Working Hands 3 on TikTok. And uh, with that, let's head on over to the after show, boys. Later. Woo. Thank you.